Hi, and welcome to episode number 30 of the Crypto Chick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Danelle Dixon, CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation, also known as SFD. In this interview, Danelle explains how SFD is using blockchain to unlock the world's economic potential by making money more fluid, markets more open, and empowering more people that didn't have access to a financial system previously. Danelle also explains her journey into the blockchain space while sharing her thoughts on being a woman executive in a male-dominated industry. Let's get right to my interview with Danelle. Enjoy! Okay, so today I'm here with Danelle Dixon. She is the CEO of the Stellar Development Foundation. Hi, Danelle. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. So first question I want to ask is, um, what is the Stellar Development Foundation trying, well, what is it and what is the problem that it's trying to solve? Okay, so the Stellar Development Foundation is the foundation that shepherds the code base of the Stellar Network. Uh, the, net, the Stellar Network and, and the, the, the mission of the Stellar Development Foundation is creating equitable access to the global financial system. We are supporting the Stellar Network and the ecosystem at large. And what the Stellar Network is, is an open uh, network that allows the trans, the, the, you to transfer value around. And, you know, it's based on blockchain technology. So it's a blockchain itself. And it's focused on uh, supporting the, the, um, the foundation's mission and creating this ecosystem where we can have folks all over the world have access to the same types of the and things in the financial system that we have access here to in the U.S., for example. Right. And so I think Stellar is pretty well known in the blockchain community. So in terms of the Stellar blockchain, the Stellar network, mm-hmm. what problem is Stellar solving? Well, the, 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 that's a great question because I think that uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're not the blockchain that's trying to solve all things. We're actually really focused on the idea of cross-border transactions and making sure that users all over the world have access, again, to that, finance, that global financial system. So if you think about someone who's unbanked in Africa, for example, that they want to transfer some kind of value, whether that be uh, in terms of uh, their local currency or maybe it's gold, they want to transfer that value across the network to get to someone that they have here in the U.S., we want them to be able to do that in a fast, efficient, and affordable way. That's right. what the network is trying to solve for. Okay, great. And so you were the former COO of Mozilla, which is really interesting. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about your background. I know that you gave a TEDx talk on privacy. So kind of just talk about your background and and tell us how you transitioned into the blockchain space. Yeah, that's a great question. I started off as, frankly, a trial lawyer, like years and years and years ago. And a lot of my focus at that point was on technology and privacy. And it was before privacy became a thing, before we understood actually what the internet was allowing uh, folks to, companies to get access to. So I started there and then eventually really just got deep in the weeds in terms of understanding how code works and what users and what companies were doing with code and what, how users were impacted by that. I went to Mozilla because after years, I had gone to many other companies before that, but I went to Mozilla focusing on the notion that we could focus not just on the issues that mattered to our products, but the issues that matter to the web in general, which is very similar to here, by the way, to what I'm doing at SDF. 
And so at Mozilla, we were able to tackle lots of really interesting privacy issues, but also issues on encryption, issues on openness and how you can create interoperability, very similar to the issues that we have here, but just in a more nascent space. Uh, so for me, the, the work that we did at Mozilla was just fascinating because I didn't have to just solve problems for Mozilla. We were really focused on solving problems for the web. And here at Stellar, we're also focused on solving problems, not just for the, the Stellar network, but also for blockchain generally. I believe that there's this notion, and I believed this while I was at Mozilla, so it's a very consistent thread for me, a rising tide floats all boats. And if you think about all the work that we can do to make the web better, which is what we focused on at Mozilla, and all the work that we can do here to make blockchain, blockchain generally known, understood, not something that's like dark and scary, but like bring it into the light so people can feel like really good about what's happening with it and what the use cases that it's trying to solve. So it wasn't a huge step and it was a te different technology layer. But if you think about what I'd love to see Stellar become, which is the internet for payments, it's very similar in terms of the work that I did at Mozilla, which was focused on the internet and the web at large. When you were at Mozilla, did you even, I mean, I'm, I'm, you might have known about blockchain, but did you put the two together with what you were doing there? Did you think, huh, blockchain maybe, or was it just completely separate at that time? Well, so at Mozilla, we always looked at new technologies. We had a whole group that was focused on new technologies and uh, focusing on how we could help to support those technologies. One of the things I always wanted to do, and I still would like to see this happen, is in the browser, be able to have like a tip jar. And to be able to do a tip jar in the browser where you can tip websites all over the world or tip publishers if you wanted to, uh, not necessarily the websites in specific, blockchain is the perfect technology to be able to make those microtransactions happen. So clearly I had thought about it. We had been aware of it. We had talked to lots of folks in the space, uh, but that wasn't our key focus at Mozilla. But it was definitely, again, like focusing on new technologies is what we did and what I did in specific. I ran the business side of the of the of Mozilla, so really focused on revenue generation and what kinds of partnerships could be out there. And so I touched a lot of different entities as a result of that. Right. And then you also gave a talk on privacy, a TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. When did you give that talk and what exactly did you discuss Gosh, during the I presentation? Was, I think it was 2018 uh, that I did the talk. And again, like the focus for, for that talk was on privacy, but it wasn't just privacy and thinking about um, what the, the challenges with respect to privacy on the web. It was really talking about the empowerment of users and what users can actually do. And also bringing kind of to light the notion of what you can, how you can combine offline and online information and make a really <laughs> a big dossier of the whole person. So what I did, which was really fun, is I had someone who was not me hire a private investigator to go out and to find everything that they could about me in off, offline and online. And to, I had them search the dark web to go through everything and not, they didn't, I didn't hire them. So I had no idea who they were. In fact, when I got the report afterwards, the report had pictures of my kids and things that were like, and, and knew who, what cars I owned at that moment, but also what cars I had owned previously. They weren't allowed to violate laws in terms of trying to get the information, but it was just like how easy, they did it over 15 days and they found out everything about like my past, they pulled like records of my divorce and records of the child custody proceedings and just like crazy things that you wouldn't ever think connects those two things that you wouldn't think that someone who's search, trying to find things out about you could connect up your offline with your online. And they were able to do that. And that was one of the things I really wanted to expose through my TED Talk was that it's not that hard. And it's not that hard to do, number one. And number two, we don't just have to sit back and become 
um, afraid of this kind of technology. The one thing that we have as users of the web and of all the things that the web has to offer is our ability to vote with our feet and to vote with, like to take action and to get more involved and to let companies know that we're not okay with certain things that they do. And we do that by choosing which companies we're gonna support through the use of technology or through the use of their services. So that was really the genesis of the talk, but it was a lot based on users having a voice, also just like the technology that's out there in the world and uh, you know what we can do individually to make a change. Just while we're on the topic of privacy, because blockchain is interesting, obviously, when it comes to privacy. I mean, it's it's transparent. People can kind of see what's going on, but there's still a layer of privacy. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, and there are certain protocols I know, like the ZK Snarks and all that, but do you have any comments on that just privacy with blockchain. So from my standpoint, I love what I love about blockchain. And this is one of the things I advocated very strongly for at Mozilla was the openness piece and the transparency piece. Because I think when you're an open source project, which I was at Mozilla, which I had at Mozilla and I also have here at the foundation, you really want to bring others in and to help have them help you make things better. That's the notion of open source, which is a requirement for actually, uh, for, for in my mind, a public blockchain needs to be open, needs to be something that others can help you to improve upon. Uh, obviously, there's anonymity with respect to the it, who owns the accounts, but seeing those transactions happen make people trust a system versus actually being like the centralized notion of the way that banks operate today, not bad, by the way, because this technology can interoperate with those banks, um, but the centralized notion puts one entity in control. A blockchain, a public blockchain like ours, allows a decentralized network to be in control. So it creates more trust and, and openness with respect to that. So I think that there's a lot of the, the internet at large and how the internet was actually created was based on this notion of interoperability and openness and transparency. That's how you build, I think, strong network effects. Um, so I think that blockchain and a public blockchain like ours allows that and brings that even more forward. Privacy when you get down to point of sale transactions and when you can actually, I mean, one of the things that we definitely think about and talk about is that blockchain technology is phenomenal in terms of creating this cross-border nature of how things can work around the world and how money can just, money and value can just be transferred like that, you know, three seconds, it's 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 gone and the other, the other entity has it and you can see it on the public blockchain in the ledger. Uh, there is a layer of sometimes privacy that folks want to get to with point of sale transactions. If you're in a store and someone can watch you go to the counter, purchase something with blockchain technology, and then they can see the record happen on the ledger, and then they 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 can follow you to see like, oh yeah, now I know what our account is. Clearly, that's something that we want to be able to protect against eventually. So we have a, a project called ZKVM, which is focused on creating this layer of privacy around those kinds of transactions. Is that a type of ZK snark? ZKVM is actually um, it's a it would be it's a it's a blockchain that's that has a privacy layer to okay. it. So it's, okay. There's a white paper out there on it. I think it's really great, and we want to continue to develop and focus on those because when you need privacy and transactions, we think they should be it should be there even oh, on yeah. the public blockchain. Totally. Yeah, I agree, and especially with the whole rise of DeFi and we're seeing decentralized financial applications, privacy is needed for sure. So yeah, no, that's great. So let's talk a little bit about regulations. Um, how has the Stellar Development Foundation been vocal in terms of regulatory actions? So we started, actually, even before I got here, we had supported industry associations and the work that they were doing with respect to helping governments to understand blockchain, helping the U.S. government to understand blockchain. When I got here, I've been here almost a year. I started in May, May 1st of 2019. 
I actually, within the first, I think, month, went out to D.C. and met with regulators, met with members of, um, of Congress, as well as just folks who were in the Fed and other, and, and, and other regulatory bodies uh, in D.C. That was our sort of first step for us to be focused on regulation. When I was at Mozilla, I, was, um, I ran the policy team as well, focusing on just tech policy and Internet policy. And so I feel like this is a really important role for the Stellar Development Foundation to play. Again, not just about our blockchain, but about blockchain generally. And so I think what our job is and what we've tried to do, again, starting in the, like within the first month and a half of when I got here, and we've now had subsequent visits to D.C. as well as conversations with folks, um, regulators in different regions all over the world, to talk not just about Stellar, but what is blockchain and what is the value of blockchain? I think that, you know... We need to, it is our job because regulators, people sometimes get frustrated with this, but it completely makes sense. They have like a whole host of issues that they need to be able to tackle. And it's our job to go in there and to say, hey, here's what it is. Here's the value of it. Here's how existing regulation actually fits within it. And this. so and what questions do you have that we can actually provide you context on? And I think that's our role. And we've been trying to do that as much as we possibly can, supporting industry groups, talking to using those industry groups to talk to folks like Commissioner Hester and like going through and just making sure that we're um, doing the right thing by all of these different pieces. Right. Yeah. And it's great to hear that you're going out there and doing that just for the entire blockchain space in general, not just Stellar. And I think, you know, we need to hear more stories like that, just people not only for their network and their blockchain, but for the entire ecosystem so we can help it gain mainstream adoption. And I think with the regulators, that's a huge part of this story. So it's wonderful to hear that you're doing that. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where there's, um, even when I, in back in the, my Mozilla days, like there's competition, but then there's really important cooperation. And from our standpoint here in the blockchain space, there's just a layer that we need to focus on that to get everybody to the same place and fine like people can have different spaces like some blockchains are going to be better for some things other blockchains are better for other things that's all good we just need to make sure that we're all collectively trying to educate the right bodies right so you've been the ceo of stellar or the stellar sdf Mm -hmm. for one year almost a year okay how has the ecosystem evolved since you've joined the company so i think that the stellar network has just been uh becoming more and more of a, if you think about it as like a minimum viable ecosystem, because we always have to think in terms of what's needed in the ecosystem. It was already growing and moving in that direction when I started. I think that what we've done this year is really focused on what do we actually need to see in the ecosystem? What do we need to see from us as Stellar uh, Development Foundation? And how can we like pull forward what we need to do in the ecosystem? So we've created our own roadmap and our own plan about what we're going to do, uh, not just in 2019 and 2020, but also looking five years out. And I think that's actually helped the ecosystem to see that we have this plan. We've actually created a lot of documentation and tried to make things simple and easy for people to build on Stellar. And I think that that's actually helped the ecosystem to grow and build. We had our first Stellar conference in November of last year, and we had over 400 folk participants at the conference. And really, it's a notion of, of like collaboration, like bringing all of them together and watching the ecosystem grow and connect around you was just remarkable. And so the network effects that you see when you get people together that are interested in the same goal 
um, creating sustainable value for their users as well as maybe for themselves, but also thinking about it holistically as an ecosystem, you can actually create tremendous network effects that bring value. So I think 2019 really offered that to us. At, here at SDF, we really focused on creating an organization that had clarity about our scope uh, and then making sure that we talked about that and we expressed that so that the ecosystem knew that we have their back and that we're here and that we want to see this thing grow and develop. Right. Another interesting thing, and I actually just learned this today, I got an email with this statistic in it. Apparently, 5% of women own cryptocurrency. I don't know if that's actually true or not, mm-hmm. but it was stated in one of my emails. I'm all for cryptocurrency. What are your thoughts on that? And, and, and why do you think so few women own cryptocurrency? So I don't know anything about that statistic, but okay. um, I'm not surprised by that in, in terms of it. I, I think that as an investment tool, I actually, here at SDF, we actually don't talk about the notion of investment um, in the, the currencies themselves. But what I would like to see is more women involved in blockchain, which mm-hmm. is, of course, like where cryptocurrency develops from. And I think that, you know, it's not surprising, like tech, tech itself is very hard for women and has been. It's gotten a lot better over the years. Um, but it, like even tech, female tech leaders and just just tech as a broad umbrella we're seeing growth there, but it's taken time. I think that it has um, been uh, maybe a little bit scarier to get involved in that space and just technology generally for women. And I think that we're now more op- we're opening sort of opening the gates for more people to participate. And I think blockchain as a nascent technology and like very like it's been built in a, in a sort of a small group. I think it creates it created even more challenges for women. And I think we're seeing a bit more growth in that. And I just want to see tremendous more opportunity and growth. I think one of the things that I fundamentally believe, and, and it just is like proven time and time again, if you don't have a diversity of opinions and thoughts on topics, you end up either making the same mistakes over and over or alienating a whole group of humans. And so like gender in as much as any other kind of diversity is just as important there. Right. Yeah, I agree. Changing the subject a little bit. So the Stellar Development Foundation recently announced the closing of a strategic investment in DSTOQ. Um, that investment was for seventy or $715,000 paid in Lumen. So can you talk about that investment, what it means exactly? Well, the most important thing from my standpoint about that investment, it was the first investment out of our enterprise fund. We created an enterprise fund in November of last year when we re like we reorganized and, and refocused and, and put lumens in different accounts so that we could create a lot more transparency for the organization so the world could see what we're doing with the assets that we have. Uh, and so for me, it was just really cool to get our first investment out. DStock in particular is just interesting because if you think about what our mission is at SDF, which is creating equitable access to the global financial system, DStock's idea is that they can take and allow users from all over the world through their interface to get access to blue chip stocks, for example, like Tesla or Apple or Google or whatever, uh, from Vietnam, from South Africa, from locations in the world where you wouldn't necessarily have an ease of use to be able to get access to that. And so to use their interface to buy stocks and bonds and cryptocurrencies and it just and, and to make it simple and easy. And so from that standpoint, it actually... Like, and, and the other part that I think um, about Stellar is that it's not trying to supplant the existing infrastructure of the financial system. It's trying to enhance it. And to this actually demonstrates how you're enhancing and bringing more uh, more folks to it. 
instead of actually trying to alienate anybody out of it. Um, so it's just a great investment from the standpoint of like our mission, but it also is pretty awesome just because we're, we're mo- we, we said we were going to create this fund, the enterprise fund. We created the fund. We've now demonstrated that we're moving to disperse the fund. And that's what I like about it. What is the enterprise fund called? The it's actually the inter- it is called the enterprise. Fund. Oh, okay. Um, it's on our <laughs> easy. The, the best way to find it is on our mandate page. You um, with on the stellar.org website, you can actually go to the mandate page. You can see this was a, a new thing that we added, which I think again pushes the envelope of transparency for us. You can see all of the accounts that we created. Uh, the enterprise fund is one of them, and you can see not just you can see real time the lumens that are in those accounts, and then when they when they move, it shows the movement of those lumens. And so, I think that again, this is all about us being open and transparent in our work. I think it's great to hear about this enterprise fund because for me, enterprise blockchain is kind of near and dear to my heart. Like Mm -hmm. I love covering that because it's showing blockchain in the real world and major companies using blockchain. So I'm really excited to hear more about that fund and which companies you're going to be investing in. Yeah, Um, that's really exciting. Yeah, we definitely we have uh, the fund exists for the reason of supporting the ecosystem growth and also supporting just the stellar network at large. And so we're looking for, and we have lots of folks who have come to us to talk about the fund since we created it. So look to hear more and more investments that come out of it. Okay. So plans for the future with um, SDF and Stellar, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what can we expect to see moving forward? So we created uh, a roadmap, if you will, like around three really important areas of focus for SDF when it comes to Stellar. The first one is ensuring robustness of the network itself, making it easy and simple to build on. That's through like documentation, making sure that we've actually... I think, fulfilled the notion of what our um, open source roots are all about, which is like really focusing on developers and ease of use. And so we're going to, and we're also going to make sure that we're testing and hoping that our community tests us on the volume. And we want to be able to sustain ourselves, like to, to, to be able to sustain all the volume that comes to Stellar. And so we're going to continue to work on that and continue to focus on that uh, and just make that more and more robust. Um, so that's the first sort of pillar that we have there. The second one, which I think is not just important for the Stellar Network, but it's important for uh, the blockchain at large, which is we would love for folks to see us as the blockchain that people know and trust. And um, by we're going to push SDF and Stellar to the global stage. And I think what's important about that, again, is that we're not just out for Stellar. We're out for the ecosystem at large. When I say the ecosystem and that mean, I mean just blockchain. And so we're really focused on, you know, we've never done marketing before. We haven't done those kinds of things. So we're marketing not just uh, the, the Stellar network, but also like the participants on the Stellar network and what they're doing and the value that they're adding, not just to Stellar, but to the world. And so that's part of, that's our, sort of our second category, um, our second pillar, if you will. And then the third one is really focused on use cases and ensuring that we can support the the sustainable use cases on Stellar um, and their Stellar-based use cases. So one of those is that we're actually building uh, here at um, SDF. We're uh, supporting the growth of a wallet that's based, that's focused on Latin America and on, um, it's a Stellar-based wallet that can actually, it, it can move money between Latin America, within Latin America and between Latin America and the U.S., but it also allows users to be able to, you know, there's a lot of volatility in those markets and just to hold uh, their local currency, but hold it in USD and so that they don't have that volatility there. Uh, so that's one of the use cases that we're focusing on cross-border payments and cross-border transactions and just being able to demonstrate the value of Stellar through that. So that's one that we're doing, but we're also 
supporting lots of use cases that are out there on Stellar uh, that are, I think, pretty fun. One of the things that I've learned being here, and I also saw this when I was at Mozilla, is that a lot of times when you get so close to what it is that you're doing and what you want to do, sometimes you're not the right party to iterate and build and, and, and um, make it and develop things. So we see people out there that are doing some remarkable things. Sometimes they come to us first. Franklin Templeton, for example, decided it was going to issue a fund on top of Stellar for a money market fund. They did that on their own. We heard about it in a Google alert. We then, of course, reached out and said, hey, this is pretty cool. Like, what can we do to support you? Um, so we're doing all, we, we want to do that. We're going to do that not just through marketing efforts, but also we, one of the accounts that we created, again, on the mandate page, you can see it, is that we'll have a, a marketing account. And then if there's, if you have, if, if providing lumens to your users would actually help them to be able to transact and do things within your app, we can do in-app, we can provide in-app distributions to, for, to, to companies. So we're just really focused on seeing these Stellar-based use cases that are sustainable and can grow. Yeah, well, that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Um, we're almost out of time. So any additional thoughts that you want our listeners to know about before we end the interview? No, but thank you so much for, for coming. I think that there's a lot to learn if you go to Stellar.org and look around. We've, we just launched our new website, which is also really exciting for us and just grateful for your time. Yeah, thank you. And if, you, if the listeners want to get in touch with you, do you use Twitter or LinkedIn, anything like that? Yeah, both. What is your Twitter handle? It's Danelle Dixon. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Danelle and the Stellar Development Foundation. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you next time.